All right, good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining. It looks like Kurt is ready to go. So um, Chris is our vice chair. Do you wanna call the meeting to order? And I can say a few words at the beginning. Yeah, I'll call the, call the meeting, the November 19th Special Alcohol Funding Advisory Board Committee meeting to order at 8.32 a.m. Wonderful, thank you very much. This is Danielle Bushcutter, a staff liaison. I'm gonna go through a couple uh, procedural reminders for the meeting this morning, and then we can jump into the agenda. So um, like I said, my name is Danielle Bushcutter, and I will be facilitating the Zoom portion of today's meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, please uh, mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You'll just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, I may mute or unmute people as needed. Each time you speak, please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. In the menu, you can also turn your camera on or off by clicking the video icon. For the purposes of this public meeting, please keep your video on during the meeting. If you're participating by phone, you may click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom somewhere on your screen, you will see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker and gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. I will now turn the meeting back over to our vice chair. Vice Chair, you, oh, there we go. This is Chris, Vice Chair. I wanted to, before we get into the approval of the meetings and the agenda item, I wanted to um, get a point of clarification on, the two things, point of clarification on position and to make sure that uh, acknowledgement of a quorum. Um, I know Tim's, or Dan's, um, his term had, had passed or had expired and I wanna make sure and acknowledge that he, that he has been re-upped by the mayor? Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. Yes, um, the uh, Danielle has now uh, been moved over to um, our at-large position um, and Mandy has been moved into the United Way liaison position. So the city commission took action on both of those items um, earlier this month, I believe, or late last month. So yes, we do have a quorum to answer your second question. Now, now we can we can move forward with official business of, of the committee. Um, second, on on positions in our bylaws, it states that uh, if the chairman's position becomes vacant, that the vice chair be, takes that position. Now, does that mean that we are currently vacant a vice chair position? And if so, then the bylaws would state that we would need to have an election for a vice chair at this meeting. Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, uh, staff liaison. Um, we currently have, um, let me pull up the, I was gonna pull up the bylaws quick. Um, that scheduled, or the, the official chair and vice chair election scheduled on the next um, meeting. I think it states that that happens at the first meeting of the year, um, but let me, let me verify. Yeah, it says that the term is one year from the point of election. And I think those elections was in March. So it would actually be 
two meetings from now, potentially three meetings from now, as we might have a special meeting to, to clear up anything that might need to happen. So, um, sorry, this is Chris Cohart, Vice Chair. They do kind of conflict. Hmm. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Um, there seems to be a little bit of a conflict, in my opinion, in the bylaws. The Section 2 of Article 3 says terms of elected officers shall be one year commencing the date of the election until the succeeding year's election. And then Section 3 says the board shall elect officers at the first regularly scheduled meeting each year. So if your meeting was in January, then that wouldn't be a whole year. So. I'm not sure how to resolve that conflict actually. But then I think Chris, you were saying section four points out that if the office of chair becomes vacant, then at the next meeting, there's supposed to be an election or they're supposed well, to, yeah. So this, this is Chris Carr, the, it says if the chair becomes vacant, the vice chair it becomes the chair until the, for the remainder of the unexpired yeah. term, which would in theory be to January or March, whichever our first meeting of that next year would be. And then, but the vice chair position would become vacant, which we would have to have an election for the vice chair at the next regular meeting, which would be this meeting. I would think so. Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. If that is an amendment you all would like to make to um, the agenda, I think we could accommodate that if you want to elect the vice chair. Um, it would be helpful to have direction. Um, however, we had the um, election of the chair and vice chair at the next, your next regularly scheduled meeting when we get to the calendar item. Um, so I think it would be clear if that is just filling the unexpired term, um, which would be to be in that role for the duration of today's meeting um, or um, I just want to make sure that we have clarity on that um, as you all, if you all want to add that to the agenda. So at this point, so it's Chris Cord, Vice Chair. So at this point, I need to make a motion to add that or, or open this up to discussion to the committee. Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. I think you can do either. This is Chris Cord, Vice Chair. Let's open up the the potential of adding an agenda item of either election of vice chair to this committee for the unexpired term um, for the first until for the unexpired term until the first meeting in the next year mm -hmm. and potentially remaining the, the chairman remaining in, in accordance with the bylaws until the first meeting in, in the next year. So I'll open that for discussion. <laughs> Mandy Enfield here. Um, I I think we should have elected officers in place as soon as possible. I'd like to to fill the chair and vice chair seats officially in this meeting. Um, I'm not particularly. I don't have an opinion on on when we have the official election for the rest of it. But um, I think with such a small group and not knowing what we're getting into moving forward, I think it just for um, optics and uh, effectiveness of the board. I think it's important to have these seats filled. You know, B. Smith. Yeah, I agree. I think that we should add it to the agenda for today. Uh, Tim Giblin, I I concur with both. Let's go, our chair. So the the will of the committee is to add to the to this uh, agenda 
the election of both the, the chair and the vice chair until the till the end of this unexpired term or I think I think that's as far as we can go I think it's it's election until the unexpired term and elections being held at the regular meeting in accordance with the bylaws This is uh, Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. I think based on section four, um, that does appear to be pretty clear that the vice chair shall succeed um, and, and fill that unexpired term. So I think the action would be adding an election for the vice chair position that has now become vacant. Mandy Field here, that makes sense. Chairman Chris, all right, so um, make a motion to add, or I think I need a motion to add um, an election of the vice chair for the unexpired term, um, the remaining unexpired term. Mm -hmm. Mandy Enfield, so moved. J.B. Smith, seconded. All right, so we have a motion and a second for the addition of the election of the vice chair for the remaining unexpired term. Um, all, all members in favor. Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. Um, Chris, if you would go and call each member and ask them to vote individ individually uh, for those listening remotely. Absolutely. Mandy, how do you vote? Aye. Dan Smith, how do you vote? Aye. Kim Giblin, how do you vote? Yes. We have, we have, oh, Chris Gore vote aye. I think we have a unanimous vote. So the motion passes to add the agenda item of, of election of the vice chair. Danielle, do we now move into just approving the minutes or we need to jump into adding, go ahead and vote for that. Uh, have the election for the vice chair. Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. I think you can go ahead and, and do that and then get into the, the rest of the agenda as, as posted. Okay. This is Chris Cohart, uh, vice chair. Um, do we have any volunteers for vice chair or any elections from the committee that would uh, like to uh, become vice chair of the committee for the unexpired term? Mandy Enfield here, um, based on my uh, aggressive meddling over the last couple months, I think it seems like a natural fit if I were to, to take that role, but um, of course would defer to the rest of the committee on, on that. I would second that. Tim Giblin, I would second that. DMB Smith, yeah, I agree. Mandy's put in a lot of work, pouring over uh, information and really trying to make sure that, um, you know, things are moving forward. So I appreciate that self-nomination. Okay, Chris Gord, uh, Chair. Uh, Mandy, uh, right, how, how do I word this appropriately? Um, 
We have Mandy Enfield has has volunteered for the position of vice chair. We want to hold a place of vote on. Probably need to do a motion. We have a motion to uh, elect Mandy Enfield as the vice chair of the Special Alcohol Advisory Board for the remainder of the unexpired term, 2021. Dean B. Smith, so moved. Um, Tim Gibbon, second. And so we have a motion and a second for Mandy Enfield be, to be elected to the vice chair. Um, Chris Cord vote uh, was aye. Dan Smith? Aye. Tim Gibbon? Aye. We have Mandy vote for herself. Yeah. Mandy, how do you vote? Aye. <laughs> we have a unanimous uh, votes, no negative votes. So um, we announced that Mandy Enfield as the vice chair of the Special Alcohol Funding Advisory Board for the remainder of the unexpired term of 2021. All right. So I suppose we move into regular agenda items. Um, start with the approval of the minutes. We want a consideration approval of the meeting minutes from August 20th, 2021. Mandy Enfield, I think the minutes looked good. I move to approve them. DMB Smith seconded. A second, uh, a motion and a second to approve the uh, meeting minutes from August 22nd. And how do you vote? Mandy Enfield, aye. DMB Smith, aye. M. Gibbon, aye. Chris Gord, aye. Motion passes for the approval of the meeting minutes from August 20th, 2021. Hey, hey Chris, I have a question, um, I guess, for Danielle and Casey. The minutes for, for this um, advisory board and other commissions are super basic, just, you know, pretty much the action items. I My assumption is that's because everything is available on video the record is is recorded now and available on the website and even like i know like the commission agenda aligns with the video and links up to those moments um which i think is super thorough but i just wanted to make sure that's why the minutes are sparse is that correct danielle bush cutter staff liaison yes it okay. is cool thanks Okay, so we have a uh, move on to agenda item number one is consider approval of the 2021 outside agency annual report form. Um, we'll open this up for discussion. Anybody have any um, changes that we want to adopt on this form? Mandy and Field here. Um, I do have some thoughts I, I want to discuss related to the reporting form. Going back to the budget. Um, well, what was it called? The budget presentation back in July for the 2022 budget. The city manager mentioned that the social services uh, that are funded by this, um, by the commission advised by this board, their work does not align with the strategic plan. Um, and that hasn't been part of the process. And I think that 
the strategic plan is becoming very um, uh, an important value and very present in all actions uh, by the city manager's office and the commission. So I would like to discuss incorporating strategic plan reporting into this report form, even though the agencies have not been told um, or, or um, sort of instructed to, to think about how their work aligns with the strategic plan for this grant year. Um, but I think starting it now would be valuable to them and um, valuable to the process. Does that make sense? So Dan, uh, this is Chris Cohart, uh, Chair. So your proposal is to include language on the 2021 outside agency reporting form as to how they meet with the 2022 strategic plan? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think we can do it uh, fairly lightly, uh, a little loosely. Uh, I don't have the, let me pull up the report form. It talks about their SMART objectives. They're already reporting on measurable outcomes. Um, and the strategic plan goals are are pretty broad. So I think we could craft uh, an item on the report that says, you know, ask maybe even for a narrative explanation of how they see their their work aligning with the strate city's strategic plan. Um, I wouldn't want it to be too burdensome or too specific of a request, but just to start incorporating that thinking into um, the social services um, mindset. I suppose I, I'm, this is Chris Cohart, Chair. I don't know that I'm a, a proponent of that considering anything that's going on this annual report form is supposed to be speaking to the successes of how they spent the money in accordance with the rules and regulations set forth for the 2021 application. Mm -hmm. By adding something for future years onto a past application may misrepresent their success or failures as it relates to how they spent that 2021 money under those 2021 rules and regulations. I understand the point of wanting to get them prepared for what the strategic out plan is for the city of Lawrence going forward, but now we're holding them somewhat accountable for actions that has already previously taken and for actions that haven't necessarily been implemented as well. But I think if we're gonna do something for the strategic plan, it would need to be more in towards the application process of 2022, mm -hmm. and how those, um, how they're going to meet the strategic plan of the city of Lawrence spending 2022 money as opposed to how they spent previous money. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I don't know that there's an, an element, uh, Mandy Enfield here, sorry. I don't know that there's an element of holding them accountable to the strategic plan goals. Um, I see it as just introducing that that mindset um, and sort of ask uh, asking for it in a in a looser narrative sort of way, um, and it wouldn't change the fact that their work aligns with strategic plan goals or doesn't. Um, I think that all of their work would align with a strategic plan goal in some manner. But I I should say that the, my reasoning for this is is not just thinking about getting them started with that mindset, but also um, because of the city manager's comments about the work not aligning with strategic plan goals or, or not appearing to align with strategic plan goals, I would like to incorporate in our reporting to the commission 
so when we get these reports and then and, sh and share that back to the commission for our final report, um, including how, how the work does align with strategic plan goals. Um, so that's sort of my, my rationale for, for wanting to start incorporating it now. This is Chris Cohen. I don't disagree. I just think that it wasn't a criteria in which they were required to meet when they did their application. And so now we're having been a little bit of revisionist history by putting it on the annual report of how they met the strategic plan of the city of Lawrence, <clears throat> excuse me, um, after the fact. Mm -hmm. So I, I, even though you don't want to make it too burdensome, the fact that we're adding it after they after they've already applied, they've already spent it under a certain understanding, we're now adding additional information for them to complete that wasn't part of their initial understanding. So we're, we're changing the rules or mm -hmm. moving the goalposts, whatever you want to say, um, for 2021. I don't disagree that somehow going forward that we need to have in the application process mm -hmm. what, what the strategic plan is and how they're meeting falling within the strategic plan and how we're, they're meeting those goals and outcomes. Because I don't think it's fair that we judge them on not fitting within the strategic plan if we haven't set forth mm -hmm. that as an expectation of these recipients. Yeah, Mandy and Field here, I, I understand that. That makes sense. Um, uh, and I appreciate that as a, a technical um, assessment of it. Um, Say we so say we don't change the the reporting form. Um, would you all see any benefit to spending some time thinking about how their work aligns with strategic plan goals after the reports are submitted when we do our final report? This is Chris Cohart. I think it's it's not necessarily our responsibility to, in my mind, reading the reading the ordinance to um, report to the city of city of Lawrence Commission mm -hmm. on how these recipients fit within their strategic plan. It's the responsibility of the recipients to represent that, and our responsibility to evaluate whether they did or they did not. Mm -hmm. um, so I think our job as a, as a committee is to provide the recipients as much information as possible in order mm -hmm. for them to be successful in meeting the criteria that we set forth. So I can see us, because recipients have received what they've received at this point in time. Um, our next phase when we're trying to make sure they fit within the strategic plan is is providing a suggestion to the city commission on who should be funded and what the merits of those funding. And, and hopefully, not hopefully, our job would be to ensure that the, who we've advised and suggested receive funding does fit well within the strategic plan going forward and the outcomes that the city of Lawrence wants to achieve. Mandy and Field, that makes sense, Chris. But I do, this Chris, I do agree with you that at this point in time, it's a little unfair for us to to ask a lot of them because they've not gotten any information. I do feel like there's something we can do between now and application time to provide them more clarity and direction as to here's the new criteria. 
here's the new things that are going to be changing between now and application time to where we, we can put them in the best position to apply with the best applications possible. Um, I know that I was a little frustrated a few, maybe last year where we had, we were in the middle of creating metrics, but we didn't communicate those metrics to the recipients, but they were judged on those metrics afterwards and scored on those metrics based off of metrics that they were not informed of where we're utilizing. So I don't want us to be in a position where we're doing that again. Um, so I would want to make sure that we have a fully fleshed out plan before any applications go out of here's the metrics, here's the criteria, here's the outcomes we have. Do you fit within that, um, the, those strat strategies going mm -hmm. forward? But I will okay. open for discussion for sure from any, any, any. Mandy Enfield here, I appreciate that. Um, it makes sense to me. I think just, just talking this through is is an important part of the, the process and acknowledging the the importance of the strategic plan and how it's advising the the city manager's office opinion on funding um, and and acknowledging that we need to to build a process to relay that information to the the recipients. Dean L. B. Smith, I just want to say that I appreciate this conversation y'all are having. Um, I definitely agree that it's important that we don't hold anybody to a standard they weren't previously expecting to be held to, but then also equip people with the information they need to know what it, what is, is actually being expressed to them going forward. So I, I appreciate the conversation. Mandy Enfield here. So do you, um, are you all ready for a motion to accept the, approve the report as is? Ms. Chris Gordon. Tim, do you have a, an opinion on, on whether we change or the 2021 annual report or not? Um, she, she brought up a lot of things that I'm still digesting and I don't have anything direct right now to, to add. This is Chris Gohart. With finding a, a middle ground on that, would there be um, interest in the, in the advisory board of potentially just putting informative information on the annual report that not not asking them to write recipients to write any uh, response to strategic plan, but providing a, a quick outline and, and kind of expectation of here's what's happening over the next next year or what what our expectation is for 2022 as you're completing your annual report, things to consider going into the into the 2022 year. So we're not asking them per se for to speak to how they fit in, but knowing that, hey, these are changing, just take this into mm -hmm. consideration. Mandy Enfield here, Chris. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think um, maybe not on the actual report form itself, but in either a, a, the letter that goes with the report form, if the form is mailed to the recipients or um, in an email, just giving them um, a heads up as to to the priorities of the the city manager's office and the commission, and um, and advising them to start aligning their thinking with it. Danielle, do you think that the the city manager's office could write a letter um, explaining that to the social service agencies? 
Uh, Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison. Um, when the budget recommendation um, was uh, put forth um, and really aligning um, these dollars with um, housing initiatives based on what we heard with our strategic plan, we did reach out to all of the agencies and, and make them aware of uh, that recommendation at that time so that they were aware that that was uh, what was being moved forward to the city commission. Um, so a communication has gone out to the agencies that have kind of articulated um, I think a lot of what what you all are discussing. Um, so I don't know if there's a desire from this board to do something like that again, but that communication has already occurred. Mandy Enfield here. Um, I, I I think that letter that you're referencing is um, one that I haven't seen the full uh, language from, and I I'm assuming there's there's just that one letter that I've referenced before. Is that correct? Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison. There was an email that an email and a letter we mailed it to that went out to each of the agencies ahead of the um, budget presentation. That is the only letter I am aware of. I Mandy Enfield here. I would really love to see the full the full language of both of those just to inform our conversations so we don't spend time on stuff that we don't know. Um, thinking about communications to the agencies, um, having that full picture would benefit us. Chris Gord, um, Mr. Chair, I, I would agree. And, and I think much like our meeting, we pushed off making a decision on 2022 applications until more clarity came from the approval of the city budget and strategic plan. Um, and obviously there's a, you guys are doing a, city staff's doing a presentation on that today. So more clarity has come out as it relates to how this funding is going to work and who fits into the, the new pie. So it, to me, I'd like to see the, the letter, but also to some extent, I don't know that that letter is as relevant now as it was before because we have more information, more information to share with the recipients of, of more clarity of what staff has evaluated that the city commission's uh, plan and direction would be which in turn, I think would warrant a, a, a second letter um, to go with this to, to provide that additional clarification. Mandy Enfield, I agree. Um, and then I'm also a little concerned on time because we do have this presentation. I'm not sure how long it's gonna take and I anticipate we're gonna have a lot of questions following it. Um, could we, for the sake of time, entertain a motion to approve the form as is, and then um, make a recommendation that a second letter be generated by city staff to to inform the social service agencies of of this, the strategic plan and its its role in the funding process. This is Chris Gore. I, I think we can do those separate. I think we could do an approval of the 2021 outside agency annual report. Cause I think the consensus it seems like at this point is that this is okay as it currently stands since we're not, the criteria didn't change from 2021's usage. And then we could potentially have that as a, as a recommendation after the strategic plan and discussion role. That seemed fair. Everybody, all right, thought? Perfect. I would uh, entertain an, a motion to approve the 2021 outside agency annual report form as presented by city staff. Mandy and Field, so moved. 
Um, Gibbons, second. I have a motion and a second to approve the 2021 outside agency annual report form. Um, do we have, uh, Mandy, how do you vote? Mandy Enfield, aye. Dan Smith? Debbie Smith, aye. Uh, Tim Giblin? Aye. Chris Cohart, aye. Motion passes for the approval of the 2021 outside agency annual report. All right, next yeah, next agenda yeah. item. You're good. All right, Danielle, you guys have something? Yeah, this is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Um, if I could, I, I don't think that we have clear direction from the board on the content of the letter. Um, you know, <clears throat> I feel like um, an observation I would make is that we leave here sometimes thinking we have clear direction and then only to find out that we didn't. So if there's specific language that the board is interested in, I think that that would be a valuable use of this board's time. You know, we're certainly here to, to help facilitate for you all, but I don't know that I got clear direction on what the content or what the desired communication was to those agencies. Uh, this is Chris Cohart. Um, I would say that that, that motion or that letter may come more clarity after we provide after the presentation for this strategic plan is completed and that maybe i would post and suggest we postpone that further discussion on that until after um, agenda item number three thank you very much that helps clarify Uh, next, uh, this is Chris Cohart. Next agenda item uh, is consider approving the 2022 meeting calendar. Mandy uh, Enfield. Oh, sorry, Chris, what? Danielle, on the agenda does say that the action is to adopt the 2021 meeting calendar. We're, no, it doesn't. We're, we're, Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison. Apologies, I got it updated in the recommendation, but not the actual action. So it is the 2022 calendar before you today. Apologies for that. Okay, so we consider approving the 2022 meeting calendar as the agenda item. Do we have any discussion regarding the 2022 meeting calendar as presented? Mandy and Field here. Um, I I don't want um, foresee any reason to change the calendar, um, but I do want to. Uh, just think about how it aligns with the city's budget calendar um, and have this group think about the budget presentation meeting um, and and where where those sort of um, items will will fit with our meetings. So thinking about July, if there's a, the budget presentation, I'm assuming is in July, the budget approval will be in August. Um, just sort of incorporating that into our personal um, calendars. Does that make sense? Uh, Chris Gord, I, I do agree with that. Um, if, Danielle, you might correct me if I'm wrong. I think the acceptance of that city budget may have been a little bit later than it traditionally has. Is that is that right? Were we a little later? Is it always in the October timeframe when we finally get that finalized? 
Uh, Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison. Uh, there was a, a change in state law um, that impacted um, the 2022 budget calendar. So yes, previously um, the adopted budget had to be in by August 25th of um, the year preceding the, the budget year we were going into. Um, that has changed. Um, however, in terms of the kind of cadence of our staff presentations, that piece of it has remained relatively um, stable uh, because there's still, um, we used to refer to it as the, the maximum expenditure authority. Now it's the revenue neutral rate, but there's a, a key decision point in July that the commission has to meet. So there's more time kind of on the back end after that July meeting than there has been before. Uh, but at that point um, is is really kind of that key decision point in terms of um, tax rates and, and those sorts of things. So a longer process on the back end, but in terms of our process when we present to the city commission, um, all of those kind of budget recommendations and those sorts of things, that piece of it has remained the same. But that final action is has was later this year than it has been before. This is Chris Court. So is, is the expectation going for, I know we can't, um, predict the future, but is the expectation going forward that it would be in a similar time frame as this current year or going back to maybe an earlier time frame um, for the back end piece of the budget acceptance? Uh, Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison, I don't expect any legislation to change um, that October date. Um, however, uh, that is in kind of the purview of the state legislature um, and um, any action that that they uh, move forward. So um, at this point, we're still expecting kind of that um, October date to for that process to maintain and be consistent. Uh, but again, uh, it's not really at our discretion. Uh, Chris Cohart, Chair. So to the to the committee, do we do we feel like to Mandy's point? Do we feel like that separate September sixteenth committee meeting is something that? would be a value to this committee that we would have enough information or actions to be taken to have a meeting on September 16th? Or was that something we would wish to, to push back to maybe the October or even November, November timeframe, because that would make it really hard to turn around um, applications and such. Mandy Enfield here. I think the, the June and September meetings are fine. Um, and I think it'll fall on you, Chris, as the chair to just prompt us if, if in July there's significant changes to the budget that would inform our, our committee actions to call a special meeting to discuss those um, between June and September and or between September and December. We'll just have to make sure we're maintaining a quorum and, um, and keeping, keeping an eye on the budget process. This is Chris Gore, Chair. Dan, Tim, do you guys have an opinion one way or the other on the dates? Um, yeah, I'll just uh, agree with what, what Mandy said. I think we can keep schedule, but um, just keep keep an eye on how things are progressing. Uh, Tim Giblin, and we can always amend this as we get closer, can't we? I mean, if we just move forward with what we have right now, we still have the ability to come in and uh, shuffle stuff around or call a special meeting. Is that correct? Danielle Bush, could staff please on yes, that is correct. 
uh, Tim Gibbon, then I'm I'm fine with how I'm fine with going through with what we have currently. This is Chris Cohart. Um, all right, so we'll have a entertain a, a motion to approve the 2022 meeting calendar as presented by city staff. Mandy Enfield, so moved. Tim Giblin, second. This is Chris Gore, we have a motion and a second to approve the 2022 meeting calendar. Um, Mandy, how do you vote? Mandy Enfield, aye. Daniel Smith. Daniel Smith, aye. Tim Giblin. Aye. Chris Cohart, aye. Um, motion, vote, motion passes. Uh, for the approval of the 2022 meeting calendar. All right, third agenda item is we're to receive an update on a strategic plan and discuss the future role of the advisory board. And I would um, hand this off to Danielle as it seems we have a presentation. Is that correct? Danielle Bushcutter Sapley is on. Yes, we'll go through um, a brief presentation and then um, at the end open it up to you all for um, discussions. So let me share this is Chris my Dewar. screen. Can I bring up, make one point before before you start into the to the presentation? When when we're doing the present, when Danielle's doing the presentation, keeping in mind under Ordinance ninety seven twenty six, what our role is within this advisory committee. So when we're asking our questions or posing our thoughts, please make keep in mind what, what our role is as it relates to the use of the city alcohol funds and, and speaking directly to the city and city staff. So I'll ask. Danielle Bushcutter Sapley is on. Thank you very, very much for that. Um, I will go ahead and share. Um, my screen. Are you all able to uh, see the presentation? Head nods. Good. Okay. Um, all right. Oops. So I wanted to give a little bit um, of kind of an update, uh, update, and kind of give the history and the the background uh, for the strategic plan uh, that that you all have been talking about a little bit earlier in the meeting. Um, so this um, strategic plan, our initial strategic plan was adopted uh, back in uh, 2017, and this was really meant to be a, a two to three year plan. Um, so we began work in late 2019 to kind of update that old version of our strategic plan um, and really wanted to focus with this new strategic plan um, on really hearing from the public and doing a lot of uh, public engagement and getting a lot of public input on the front end of that process um, instead of on the back end of that process. And so in order to do that, um, we put together a uh, what we called the Lawrence Listens team. So we were able to, we were hoping to get about 20 different staff to volunteer to participate um, and go into the community and, and receive some um, uh, public input. Um, but instead, we were fortunate enough that we had over 45 staff that were really excited to, to help um, get out into the community um, and really uh, try to meet people where where they were at, um, and it. Uh, so we basically had a training for all of those staff to facilitate um, discussions related to what folks wanted uh, the city to be in business of doing. Um, and through that process, we heard from more than 3,000 people um, within our community, uh, and we did this through 
kind of our traditional community meetings uh, back when we were in person and meeting together. Uh, we had, you can see a picture there of, of a pretty full Carnegie um, and those kind of traditional public meetings. We also had some smaller satellite meetings to kind of get into different pockets of the community. Um, but I think where this was really successful was a lot of small group meetings, um, getting into book clubs, getting into um, some of those groups that people already have um, and really um, hearing uh, people and, and, and kind of meeting them where they were. Um, we also did kind of some of the traditional online survey um, our tabling events were incredibly successful. We heard um, great, great feedback from that. Um, and so we did all of that. We wrapped up um, about a week before we shut down for uh, in our for our response to COVID. Um, so we kind of had to hit pause on this process a little bit. Um, and so in doing that, we wanted to um, also kind of have these community check-in meetings uh, that were held virtually um, to see if as we were kind of experiencing the impacts of COVID-19, um, whether or not that meant all of this work that we did um, maybe wasn't applicable anymore, um, or if it just reinforced what we had already heard. And it really reinforced what uh, we had heard um, in that large public engagement effort. So as part of our strategic plan, we have a couple of different um, kind of sections to it. So the first uh, here is the mission, vision, and values. Um, and as part of this process, we did um, update our mission to be, we create a community where all enjoy life and feel at home. Um, this was um, um, an important component of our strategic plan update. Um, and so something I like to, to make sure and capture and mention um, the vision, um, the city of Lawrence uh, supporting an unmistakable vibrant community with innovative, equitable, transparent and responsible local government um, has remained the same as well as our five um, core values. The main part of the strategic plan that we often talk about, I don't like to lose sight of the mission, vision and values, but really the, the component that we talk about the most um, are the outcomes and the commitments. Um, so the outcomes really articulate what we are in business to do. Um, and the commitments really help to articulate how we do our work. Um, so you can kind of think of those as the different lenses that we like to look through when we are doing and providing services in the community. So we have five different outcome areas uh, that have been adopted as well as six different commitment areas. And we'll go through each of those in a little more detail. Um, so breaking up the outcomes into a couple different slides, we'll do the same thing um, for the commitments, uh, but we have unmistakable identity, strong welcoming neighborhoods, uh, safe and secure, and we'll get to the other, the other two, uh, but just want to kind of highlight um, the definitions. I'm not going to read these to you all. You can, you can read them um, in the documents that were provided, but um, unmistakable identity really speaking to um, our, our community being a welcoming space where we have arts and diverse culture. Um, it, it talks about our downtown and our events and, and the importance of um, the vibrancy of our community. Strong welcoming neighborhoods um, really starts to get towards um, some of those values about living in a safe and, and functional and aesthetically unique neighborhoods that we have all across our, our wonderful community um, and, and really gets into some of the access um, of, of safe and affordable essential services that people need to, to really thrive in our community. 
um, safe and secure um, kind of is what it sounds like, making sure that people feel safe in our community and there are um, access to trusted public resources um, uh, that are available. Uh, prosperity and economic security is the next one. Um, so this gets um, kind of at the um, um, kind of business opportunities, economic security. Um, and, and this is where uh, we also uh, acknowledge and recognize um, some of the systemic um, injustices that, that we have um, and ways that we can, can move some of those um, initiatives forward to um, help remove some of that in our community. And then finally, we have Connected City. Um, and this is really what speaks to um, having functional and efficient infrastructure uh, facilities and, and other um, of those kind of key assets uh, to make sure that, that people have the ability to move um, throughout not only our community, but also recognizing that we're part of a, a larger region um, and, and making sure that we recognize the, the importance of connectivity um, for, for folks in our, our community to be successful as well. Um, moving over to the commitments, there are six of these. Um, the first one is community engagement. Um, so really speaking towards our um, efforts to um, engage the community in um, a lot of the work um, that we do um, so that we can, can uh, communicate and collaborate and be innovative in the work that we're doing every day. Efficient and effective processes uh, really speaks to being um, intentional and consistent with how we deliver uh, city services um, and that we have those structures and those processes in place to really um, provide that, to have those trustworthy processes because um, that really serves at the foundation of a lot of what we do. Um, equity and inclusion um, is another one of our commitments. Um, and so this is um, really focusing on and recognizing and, and striving for um, that no group is disadvantaged or burdened um, and really making sure that that the work that we do has um, an equity component in mind um, and specifically um, in, in intentionally prioritizing race um, so that it can no longer be used to predict life outcomes. Next, we have sound fiscal stewardship. Um, and so this is um, really related to making sure that we have um, transparent and easy access to relevant and accurate data um, for uh, budgeting and, and decision making. And that we're um, efficiently utilizing and um, having sustainable management of our community resources. Next is engaged and empowered teams. Um, as, as a city organization um, and as a service organization, um, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without all of the folks that we have um, working for us. And we're very people um, centric. Um, and so this is really recognizing the role that um, our, our people and our employees um, play to, to help um, build this community. Um, and so really wanting to recognize that um, we do our best work when we have a really diverse and engaged, um, collaborative, innovative culture um, and making sure that we, we recognize that um, and use that as a lens as we're making decisions. And then finally, um, environmental sustainability. So this is recognizing um, our relationship with our planet and our environment um, and that there are consequences for the, the decisions that we make both big and small um, and, and knowing that um, we need to protect those um, um, 
resources um, to make sure that um, we have a, a sustainable, um, environmentally sustainable future ahead of us. And so with that, um, all of those different um, um, outcomes and commitments um, have kind of cross sections. And so one of the um, things that we've been working on since the city commission adopted this new strategic plan back in October of 2020 um, is really putting together a scorecard. Uh, we have 74 progress indicators that have been identified on that scorecard. Um, along with 78 strategies. Um, so the scorecard is really meant to kind of measure how uh, successful we are at moving forward um, in these different um, outcome and commitment areas. And those strategies give a little bit more detail in terms of um, how exactly we, we plan on moving forward um, and, and um, having success within those different progress indicators. Those were all included in um, that that kind of document that was included as part of the agenda today. Um, wanting to recognize uh, that the um, this information is all available on our website. Um, if you do want to go in and look at those uh, progress indicators or strategies or um, any of this information, just wanted to make sure you all had um, a link to where that was located. Um, so part of what we wanted to discuss with you all um, here this afternoon is um, where you all see uh, your alignment as a board, recognizing, you know, the parameters set forth in Charter Ordinance 33. And as um, uh, Chris mentioned, um, also recognizing, which we'll get to in just a second, um, kind of the roles and responsibilities of this board um, and, and having a discussion about where you all really see yourselves within the strategic plan. So we wanted to call out a couple areas that um, um, may help um, focus some of the conversation uh, being uh, within strong, welcoming neighborhoods and safe and secure. Not to say that there aren't other areas in those other outcomes um, that there may be some alignment, but um, I think there are some in both of those that um, you all may want to consider discussing. Um, and to kind of um, recognize Chris's point um, about um, Ordinance 9726, this is the ordinance that established this board um, and it calls out the um, kind of roles and responsibilities that you all have. And so you can see um, there in Part A um, really speaks to um, you all reviewing requests and making recommendations to the commission on how to use um, special alcohol funds but it does also exclude the use of funds by city departments, um, which is an important distinction I think to make, um, especially as we start talking about the 2022 um, budget recommendation, because that is um, functionally, uh, those dollars have been moved into the um, housing initiatives division. Um, it also recognizes uh, the reporting requirements, which is the action that you all took earlier today um, in terms of making sure that uh, you all report uh, back to the commission uh, the findings that you all deem um, appropriate. Um, and then finally, um, evaluating the use of city funds by the recipients. I'm sorry, that's really the action you took today um, to report to the city commission the findings that you, that you deem appropriate. Um, and so I, I wanted to just kind of highlight this and recognize this as we uh, kind of go into the discussion of you all in terms of where you really see um, kind of your your role um, given given what you all have done um, 
within the strategic plan because I think that's a really important conversation um, for this group to have. Danielle, sorry to interrupt, um, but uh, could you go back to that slide? I didn't. Um, I, I didn't follow on the part A, uh, the excluding the funds by city departments, um, and then the what you said after that with the housing, affordable housing money. Could you repeat it? Sure, uh, Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison. Um, so um, this. You all are really asked to um, let me. I'll I'll kind of go back a little bit. the The way that it used to kind of function is we'd set aside a certain amount of money for um, this advisory board to really make those recommendations. There were a couple other things from time to time that have come out of the special alcohol fund, um, but with this um, recent recommendation for 2022, um, those dollars have been moved for those housing initiatives that we kind of talked about at our last meeting um, to to really help address um, the rapid rehousing. Um, there are a handful of um, kind of those, those key housing initiatives um, that are really being led by our new housing initiatives division with our, within our planning and development services um, department. So they're really kind of leading, leading the effort, not only on this is one kind of component of it, uh, but also leading the effort on CDBG funding and home funding and um, some other uh, federal grants, um, as well as um, some the affordable housing dollars, those sales tax dollars. Um, they're really helping kind of make sure there's some uh, cohesion with all of those different funding sources. This is Chris Cohar, Chair. So what you, what you just said is that the special alcohol tax funding that we received from the state of Kansas to the city of Lawrence is now 100% of that has now gone into the housing initiatives under the purview of the housing initiatives. Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison, yes. This is Chris Kaur, Chair. Um, okay, uh, and put my thoughts together here after that because I don't that was not what necessarily we discussed at the last meeting um, specifically so to the question city commission or city staff's question to us as to what our role going forward is I don't I, I'm struggling with understanding the what the expectation is from us at this point in time to what our to view our role is because essentially the role that we have has been directed elsewhere so in this, in this essence, I, I see the city has made a determination as to what our role is. And I would I would like to hear from you, uh, city staff and city commission, as to what their expectation of our role is without mm -hmm. the funding. I mean, is, I guess that's yeah. Maybe. With, with not having much more, hearing this information in this way that it rattled my brain a little bit here to, to put together a coherent thought. Yeah, sorry I interrupted, Chris. I, I too, um, am, am pretty confused. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you're saying what, what is, what was, what's the amount that we used to recommend, like, uh, distribute with like 770,000? Is that how much was approximately in the, the funds we would distribute? Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison, about 700, about $700,000. I think it was $711,000 for 2021. 
Okay, so Mandy Enfield here. So my understanding from our last meeting was that 700 some thousand dollars that we normally distribute to social service agencies through our, our previous process was now going to be prioritized for direct services for homelessness um, efforts. And that we would still be reviewing the, the, the applications and making those recommendations just in the context of the city's shift in priorities. Um, but now I'm on and I'm a, I'm a little frustrated that we went over the strategic plan, which is information we can find on the online and review ourselves when really the essential information is what the heck is going on with this group. And we don't have that information. I don't understand what's what's going on. This is Chris Gore, Chair. I think I would, yeah, I, I think that was my understanding at the last meeting as well. It wasn't that this advisory committee would not be making recommendations to the city um, as much of we were just going to have to prioritize those in a different way under, under the new strategic plan guidelines, not necessarily that we're not making recommendations as it relates to funding going forward, which which is the city's I mean, they can make that determination as to whether they want to have a special advisory committee to the special alcohol tax or not. But to pose the question as to what our role is now going forward um, doesn't seem like a decision that we're making, that we should be making when that decision essentially has been made for us. Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison. Um, I'll, I'll try to answer, I think, the questions that I heard kind of come up in those um, two comments. Um, and so the, the discussion that we kind of talked about um, at our last meeting that, as, as I recall, um, is reviewing and, and acknowledging that um, these dollars have been reprioritized for um, those different um, housing initiatives, homeless outreach, emergency sheltering, rapid rehousing. Um, and that we were looking uh, towards doing more of an RFP type process. All of that is still true, um, that none of that has shifted or changed. What we're trying to figure out from you all to, today is really where you see your role within the strategic plan, because we don't know exactly how that RFP process is going to look, um, what that is going to look like. Um, so in that regard, unfortunately, there's not much of an update um, to, to really provide uh, you all today with. Um, but that's what we're trying to figure out from, from you all is really where do you see uh, the role of this advisory board with kind of the context of Charter Ordinance 33 with the context of these dollars being utilized for um, these housing initiatives um, and kind of your role within the strategic plan and, and where you all really see that alignment and that fit. I think kind of getting at what Mandy was talking about with the um, um, report, right, and, and trying to kind of figure out where that alignment is. Um, we, we That's really the conversation we want um, you all to kind of engage in today so that we can kind of figure out what this process is going to look like moving forward because we don't, we don't know that exactly yet. Um. Uh, Tim Gibbelin, and maybe I'm understanding this wrong, but it just—I'll just be frank. It just sounds like the city is trying to kill this committee, and is that—is that the goal here? Because 
how it reads and how I see it, you've effectively, um, not you, but this has effectively been canceled. There's, you're asking us what our role is, what our, our, we feel like our role should be here, but how that's written, our role has been eliminated. This is uh, Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. I think we're still trying to figure out what, what those roles are. And that's why we wanted to engage in the conversation to really figure out where you all see yourself within the strategic plan. Um, this is a new process. Uh, this is a process we haven't um, undergone yet. And so we're still trying to figure out exactly um, what it, what that RFP process looks like, what, what uh, these different roles um, are going to be as we move through this process. And that's why we wanted to engage you in that conversation. Mandy Enfield here. Um, sorry I, um, to sound frustrated and, and confused, but... Um, I, I just don't think we can speak to our role without knowing what our role within the, the strategic plan it, without having the context of the process or the information. Um, I feel like it's pretty like an obscure exercise um, that that might even be baiting us into to putting language on the record that, that we don't have a role. Um, so I think that that there doesn't really even need to be a discussion about the role because it is outlined in ordinance number 33. We are to make recommendations on the use of the special alcohol funds, that's 700 and some thousand dollars. Um, and then in somewhat unrelated, going back to the that section A, the excluding the use of funds by city departments portion, um, I think has to be read in the context of, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking at um, not number 33, ordinance 9726. Um, excluding the use of funds by city departments has to be read in the context of number uh, or 33 because it sort of implies something that that isn't as, as interesting as that sounds. I think that's just saying that we don't get to have anything to do with the other two-thirds of the money, right? That's the parks and rec money. We don't get to talk about that. That's uh, whatever money we don't get to talk about that. Um, but the the ordinance does say we make recommendations on the use of these funds, that third chunk of the funds, the $707,000. So I, I don't know what, if we want to talk about where those funds fall in the strategic plan, how alcohol and drug abuse prevention fits within the strategic plan, um, I think that would be an appropriate discussion, but how the four of us and this this um, board fits in the strategic plan, I think is is not an appropriate conversation because our role is advised by the ordinance. This is Chris Cohart, uh, Chair. I, I agree 100%. I mean, I think the way I read 33, Ordinance 33, Section A, is exactly that, that we receive an X amount from the state of Kansas under the special alcohol tax. A third goes to general funds, a third goes to, to parks and rec, and the third goes to um, special alcohol and drug programs that, that we're advising and rec making recommendations on the usage of those funds. And if the city has other priorities as it relates to initiatives, it's still within the confines of how does, how does our advisement of that one third money fit within those initiatives? Um, I, I agree 100%. Our, 
our role going forward, I don't think has truly changed based off of Ordinance 33 and Ordinance 9726. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager, and I, I, I don't want anyone to leave here today thinking that we're trying to um, get rid of this board. You all have um, been very engaged in these conversations. And as we talk about our commitments in the strategic plan, community engagement is one of those. And advisory boards are a way to engage folks. So we want to keep you all engaged in this conversation. Um, I will say that historically, um, there have been years where the city has said, we're taking this third of dollars that are in the special alcohol fund and spending them on XYZ. For example, at one point, school resource officers were funded out of this fund. That was not under the purview of this board. That was a use by a city department. Um, another example, there have been years where the RAP program was not an application that was reviewed by this board. That was decided to be funds that were used by a city department. We contracted out with the RAP program to provide that service. So there have been years where, you know, Mandy, to your point, the whole 700 was not under the purview of this board. There were decisions that were made to direct those dollars um, for use by city departments. And then other dollars were presented to this board to make recommendations for. So we have that historical context and we have um, the looking forward, which is how do we now um, work together towards making progress on these strategies in the strategic plan. And I think that's the conversation that we're trying to engage you all in is where in these strategies in this document that, um, that that's out on the website that, that we can pull up that shows, you know, uh, where, where is the work of this group? It is, is it, um, you know, which of these performance indicators do these dollars, are these dollars going to move? And how do we make sure that we are assessing at the end, um, you know, next year, how do we know that the dollars that we spent are going to make progress on the indicators in either safe and secure um, or uh, strong welcoming neighborhoods. So I think that's when we talk about what we want you all to share about your role. I think that's what we're describing is where do you see the the, the kind of intersection of this work um, and those um, those performance indicators or those those um, we call it moving the needles. Which of those needles is this going to move, and uh, how can we as this group? report back to the city commission that yes, the these needles are moving or no, they aren't. And we need to shift how we're investing those dollars. I don't know if that's helpful, but I just wanted to share a little bit of that kind of historical context and sort of an opportunity of where we might be able to go from here. This is Chris Cohart, Chair. I don't think any of us don't understand that, that our role is to make a recommendation in the city and take that recommendation or, or not, and, and they can reallocate those funds as they see fit. I, I don't think that we're under the perception that that's not the case. Um, but it, it has been reallocated at this point. Reprioritizing and reallocation are, are two, mean two different things, and we reallocated it to housing outside the purview. As you said, we, we didn't send it to the special alcohol tax in, in the past, for whatever reason. So we've done that. 
So the role of the special alcohol tax in making recommendations as it relates to the usage of those funds, that, that responsibility that we have, we don't have any funds to make those recommendations. So our role is still spelled out within those ordinances of our job is to review is to review the reports and what was what's the other one other 97 we're supposed to reporting requirements and evaluate the use of those city funds but we're not evaluating i assume we're not evaluating the city funds that the city uses only at the recipients that receive that so again our role if we're not evaluating the use of the city funds that weren't used by anybody other than outside agencies is not is not something that is under our purview because we can't judge the city in their usage based off of our ordinances. So um, to me, it sounds like you know our bylaws going forward, it's not a special alcohol. You're asking us whether we want to be part of an advisory committee on the safe and secure initiative of of the strategic plan or um, what was the other one you guys suggested? Uh, say uh, strong welcoming neighborhoods. And that's completely different than and I'm sure any one of us would be willing to be on an advisory committee for some initiative that's here, but as what the role of the advice of the special alcohol tax advisory board, I think it's still very clear as to what that responsibility is of this committee. We just don't have any money in 2022 to do our job with. Mandy Enfield here. I agree entirely, Chris. This the strategic plan conversation um, is, I think, putting the cart before the horse without us talking about our role in relation to the funds um, and 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 really what what's going on at all with this board. Um, we only have 15 minutes left. I think we're going to need a special to call a special meeting to continue this conversation um, sooner rather than later. And I don't wanna run out of time to, to have that conversation going around and around about um, roles and the strategic plan um, because we, we don't have the information we need to, to have a, a full conversation. Um, so uh, what, what do y'all think? Neil D. Smith, yeah, I agree. I feel like the way this question is, phrase doesn't really make sense to me. It's asking us about our role, whereas, you know, as others have said, our role is very clearly stated. The strategic plan and everything around that is really great context that can inform us on how to make decisions, but it doesn't, shouldn't change our underlying role. You know, we all volunteer our time to come here and, and do this. And if, uh, if, if the actual intent of what we're supposed to do is, is being, you know, changed or taken away from us, um, it seems seems a little bit inconsiderate not to to you know discuss that at, at greater length um, and decide whether that's a, a process we actually want to be a part of because um, it sounds like it might be different than the process that we all signed up for. Uh, Chris Gohart, Chair Tim, do you have any thoughts, or you want to? You you don't have to have a thought on this either. Don't want to force you into a uh, statement. It doesn't need to make a political statement or anything. If you want to speak, feel free. No, uh, Tim Giblin. I mean, uh, I'm with all three of you on not understanding what they're what they're asking us to do. Are you? Uh, 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 
I'm just as confused as everyone here. It sounds like you're asking, are you inviting us to be on a new board, on a different board? Because this board is effectively not effective. I mean, again, we I'd, I'd gladly uh, help in other initiatives, but this, this board seems like there's nothing left for us to do, nothing left to talk about right now. This is Chris Coart, Chair. Um, so there was no action being required on, on this agenda item. I think we've had a, a discussion, um, I think to the point of whether we send a letter out or not, I think that is moot at this point in time because um, we're not, we're not uh, advising or making recommendations on the one third uh, money, which, which is again, within the city's prerogative to, to make that determination. Um, we're not, we're not making, we're not making recommendations on that one third that, that we would anticipate historically doing um, for 2022. So I, I don't think if the city, we would, we would make a recommendation that the city provide some guidance and what that RFP looks like. Um, but there's no action to be taken on, on agenda item number three. Um, so I, I'd kind of move to kind of close that and move on through the remaining agenda items um, with the last 12 minutes that we possibly have left in this meeting. Mandy Enfield here. Um, uh, sorry, I want to skip to another thing because I lost my thought, but um, I brought up membership a couple times. We need more members on this board um, and I have not, um, you know, recommended to folks to apply for it because I don't want them to waste their time if, if this board is being dissolved. Um, sorry, Chris, go ahead. Let's move on to the new business and, and bring that up as a new okay, business. Okay, okay. Sound um, sounds so, good. This is uh, Danielle Bushcutter, uh, staff liaison. I, I apologize. I don't feel like I have good clarity on the last item. I heard that additional information was was um, desired from you all, but I don't have a good sense of what that additional information is. So if you could provide clarity on that before we get into the new business and potentially a, an additional meeting, that would be really helpful. Mandy Enfield here. Um, this is a new piece of additional information that hasn't been mentioned, but I would really like to see from the city for our next meeting some clarity on how the city sees these alcohol tax funds that we are to advise on, how moving them to the affordable housing department and using them for affordable housing, how that aligns with the ordinances and the strategic plan. I think that the the request of us is is really something that should be asked of the city to provide um, us to inform uh, our next steps. Um, I think that that should happen first. Like the how does how does the city's decision fit with the ordinances? Does that make sense? Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. Yes, I'm just trying to make sure that that you all have the information that that you need to continue the the discussion. So that's helpful. This is Chris Carts. Okay, so to close out action agenda item number three about the strategic plan and discussion of future role of the advisory committee. Our recommendation is, as Mandy stated, and and to further have a further discussion and a special meeting, um, maybe the first week of December. If, if that works for, for folks. 
um, first Friday in December mm -hmm. to, to further discuss and understand the role of the city views our role going forward. Is that like sound appropriate? Canyon Field, yes, I, I would like to see, yeah, what the city envisions our role. Um, and then, and then the, like I mentioned about the ordinance and the funds. This, this is Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. I don't know that we can get that turned around by uh, December 3rd. Um, I think what I would recommend is we have used doodle polls in the past um, and kind of identified um, several dates and, and times. I think I would make that recommendation. Um, I just want to be realistic um, in terms of um, staff capacity to, to turn something around with the, the holidays next week. Mandy Enfield here, Danielle, respectfully, I um, apologize. I think what we're asking the city to do and over two weeks is what we were asked to do and on the spot and in 30 minutes today. Um, and I think we we had asked for a special meeting in October for more information. And I, I feel like we're really being put off um, and need to be able to have this discussion while it's fresh and relevant. I'm out of town on December 3rd. Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison, both Casey and I are out of town on the 3rd. Yeah, Smith, I'm I'm open to meeting whenever, and I think that you know looking at whatever available times for us is fine. I'm I'm flexible in that way, and I'd like to, especially, I'd like to see some more information at at a, this next meeting or or as soon as could be made available to us just about the city's ability to um, reallocate those funds as they see fit. It, it, it seems like there's been. Uh, uh, mention of some historical context for this happening and it's sort of been implied that that's not something which is going to happen every year but just an aberration based on special circumstances but I'm curious what um what would prevent them from just doing this every year what are the limits of of, of their ability to circumvent um this board um if it if it is supposedly not uh not something that's going to happen all the time I would like to see that ex expressly explained whether there's special circumstances that need to be met to make that happen or um, special process that needs to be taken to make that happen. And this is Chris Cohort. I think, and I could be wrong, and, and, and Danielle and Casey may be able to be a little bit more detailed. I think in, in Ordinance 90, Ordinance 33, it does say monies and special funds are under the discretion and control of the governing governed body of the city. So I, I think that that line in and of itself kind of gives them the creative authority, <laughs> for lack of a better term, to to make that determine on a determination year by year. Mandy Enfield here. What I what I understood Dan was saying is um, like uh, we understand the processes. We make a recommendation, and then the commission or city staff can choose to follow it or not um, and deviate from that recommendation. And that has happened in the past. Um, and uh, what I what I understood Dan to say is, if that's the already the decision before we're making the recommendation, tell us, um, and then we can make our recommendations in the context of that. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. I. I'm not clear. I thought that's what this conversation was, Mandy. I, I, I think the city commission, when they adopted the budget, 
did say that these dollars were going to go towards the housing initiatives that we articulated in the budget. So I, that I, I'm struggling a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm trying. Like is said, this over. is all cooperation. I'm trying to work I, with you all, and, I, and I'm just trying to understand. This is Chris Go ahead, Chris. Chair. I think it was a matter of, of language. Um, I said it, what Danielle had mentioned is reprioritize, which is different than reallocated. So reprioritize would still fit within the confines of the special alcohol on advisory committee in which we now know the prioritization of those funds need to fit within a certain type of funding. So when we got the applications, we would say, all right, here's, does it fit within the state guidelines of usage? Does it fit within the ordinance? Does it also fit within the, the initiatives of the city from a housing perspective? So by saying it's reallocated, it's different than reprioritize. We know that we need to prioritize certain initiatives from the city as opposed to reallocating all that money to a different fund that now we're not, it doesn't matter whether there's a new priority or not. Mandy and Field here, yeah, that was not clear. I, I don't know, I'm, I might be dense, but I had no understanding that this has already been decided. The money is not, the recommendations by this committee will have nothing to do with how the money's used. And what are we doing? You know, like, I, I think there needs to be a statement to us from the city that clarifies that because it, I'm, I'm not reading between the lines and figuring this out, obviously. Okay, so to, to close out agenda item three, because I think we're going around in circles and um, at this point we don't have much more time. So close out number three, we're going to at some use a doodle poll. Our recommendation is use a doodle poll to find a time in the, in the next few weeks to further than as it relates to our role going forward. Um, is, is it appropriate for beyond this meeting to have say many or, or the committee members provide some clarity questions um, after the meeting is ended to, to create a broader agenda for that discussion. Uh, Danielle Bushcutter, uh, staff liaison, it would be appropriate to work with the, the chair and vice chair um, okay. on, on that. Okay, perfect. So that's our recommendation that we'll Find a use a doodle pool to find a, a time to do a special special meeting, and that will uh, vice chair and chair will work with city staff to to create an agenda for that special meeting. We need to make a motion for that, or is that just a recommendation? Either uh, Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. I think the recommendation is fine, but if you do want to put it in a motion, um, that would be fine as well. Her. Uh, we have a motion to to recommend to city staff that we, we find a doodle poll to to find a time for a special meeting in in December and have chair and vice chair work on an agenda with city staff. So moved. Seconded. Dan B. Smith. With a motion is second. Um, Andy Anfield, how do you vote? Mandy Enfield, aye. Daniel Smith. Yeah, be saying aye. Tim Giblin. Tim Giblin, aye. Chris Cohart votes aye. We have unanimous 
votes, no negative votes. So motion pass for uh, special special meeting in December and this vice chair and chair work on an agenda with city staff. Okay, um, agenda item number three. Do we have any new business that needs to be discussed? Manion Field here. Um, I was looking at uh, some old minutes and wanted some clarity on some ordinance changes in March. We had a conversation about some language um, and I don't know that it ever got put in. It, it was really about member, um, uh, I, I, I actually honestly don't remember. So, uh, but I don't think there's been any updates made from that, that action. Danielle Bush, could staff please on, we can add that to the next um, special meeting agenda. Okay. Um, and then just back to, I know I've said it a million times, but I'm, I'm really concerned about membership. If we, if we lose, if somebody can't make it, if somebody gets sick, we're rendered even more powerless than we already are and not able to fulfill our, our duties. Um, so if there aren't applications pending, um, I would like to to work on recruitment. This is Chris Coart, Chair. To, to Mandy's point, um, if, if any one member does not attend a meeting, then we do not have quorum, and then official business cannot be uh, done um, without a quorum. So I, I, would, I would second Mandy's point if we have any pending applications for the Special Alcohol Tax Advisory Board, um, it would be welcome to have those have those applications approved by the city commission at, at earliest convenience so we can ensure that we have quorum going forward with, with this advisory board. This is uh, Danielle Bushcutter staff liaison. There are no current existing pending applications that I'm aware of. And that was a week ago. So there may have been something in the last couple days, but as of a, about 10 days ago, there were no applications. This is Chris Gohart, Chair. Um, so maybe it's upon each one of us to potentially identify someone that would, we would like to encourage to join this advisory board. Um, mm -hmm. I do think it's slightly difficult in recruiting this board at this current time with, with a little bit of confusion as to the responsibility and the role of this board going forward. So. Um, I think we, we still try, there's no reason not to try, but uh, I think maybe put it upon us to, to try to identify someone before the next meeting to, to get a, make sure we have a, enough members. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. Yeah, I definitely agree that it'd be nice to uh, give us a little bit more wiggle room, especially around um, having a quorum. Um, I'd also just like to say on the record that I think it'd be nice if this this uh, board was a little bit more reflective of our community as a whole, as far as diversity is concerned. Manion Field, agree, Dan. Um, I also want to add that um, I I had reached out to the mayor since it's his responsibility to make these appointments um, and asked that that he do that. And his response was until he knows the role of the board, he doesn't want to add new members. Um, so I want to put on the record 
with this with um, with this group uh, that that we need to have those appointments happen and just saying that that we don't know the role of the board so therefore we're not making appointments um, isn't isn't uh, going to get us to where we need to be so um, I, I would like to to ask the mayor to to make appointments should any applications come in that are appropriate. Okay, so if no, no new business, any additional business, move on to public comment and, and open up the meeting for, for public comment and uh, for any items listed on the agenda. And any anybody that would like public comment, you have three minutes for public comment. This is uh, Danielle Bushcutter, staff liaison. There's no public comment uh, this morning. Do I have to close public comment? Do I have to close public comment? Nope. No. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll move on to the final agenda item in, in calendar, which we approved the calendar um, in agenda item number two. So I think we're we're good on the agenda on the on the last agenda item, right? Danielle Bush, kind of staff liaison. Yes, that's more informational. Okay. So our next meeting on the books is. March 18th, it does say we'll elect chair and vice chair, which we, we still will, um, because that would be the appropriate time for election of um, chair and vice chair. Um, yeah, so I, I think I would make, entertain a motion to adjourn the meeting. CLB Smith, so moves. Tim Giblin, second. We have a motion and a second to adjourn the meeting. Mandy Enfield, how do you vote? Mandy Enfield, aye. Daniel Smith? Aye. Tim Giblin? Aye. Chris Gore votes aye. Unanimous to adjourn the meeting of the November 19, 2021 Special Alcohol Funding Advisory Board meeting at 10.05 a.m. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you, Thank Casey. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Thanks, Happy holidays. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving.